I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. The National Response Coordination Center, or the NRCC, is the central hub of activities for the federal response to disasters and emergencies. For FEMA, it's our operations center, located at FEMA headquarters right in the heart of Washington, D.C. Here, we bring in representatives from across the federal government to coordinate the overall federal response and recovery, which includes adjudicating massive resource requests from the field to support our states when they need us most. On this episode, we got a special walking tour of the NRCC from Josh Dozer, the Deputy Assistant Administrator for FEMA's Response Directorate, just as we stood up in response to the potential effects of Tropical Storm and later Hurricane Dorian. Okay, so we're here in the uh, National Response Coordination Center with Josh Dozer, longtime friend of the podcast, Um, so it's a great opportunity to talk to you again. Um, by way of introduction, what is your role here for this activation of the National Response uh, Coordination Center versus your normal day-to-day role? So actually, uh, I'm the Deputy Assistant Administrator for Response in FEMA, uh, which includes the uh, operations of the National Response Coordination Center, search and rescue, emergency communications. Uh, normally, I'm the chief in the NRCC uh, mm-hmm. during activations, uh, but we have a number of chiefs that rotate in every disaster. Every incident, we have a gold and blue team that go on and off. I'm the blue team. Today, you have the, the gold team on. Great. So, I mean, that's a great example. As we, we're going to talk a little bit about the the function of the National Response Coordination Center, how it's set up, and things like that. But w- what you just described is a great example of how we have our normal um, job duties uh, that we work in day in day out. But when we have an activation, we step into a different role for this um, this center. Right. This National Response Coordination Center relies upon skills and expertise from across all of FEMA's programs, across the entire federal government, and our non-governmental partners. We have folks doing situational awareness today who are from grants, from hazard mitigation, who normally during the, ready, during the normal day they're working on grants or external affairs or, or policy issues, and today they're doing planning. Uh, so it's really, we, in, in FEMA, we, a core principle of ours is that every employee is indeed an emerging manager. And we, they pivot, they change their roles, they, uh, they adjust where, they, where they're staying sometimes, they'll actually travel to be here, and we'll have a full operational cell here from across all the missions and disciplines that you can imagine. And in, t- in order to do that, they also receive uh, training for those specific roles that are outside of their normal job training, right? Yeah, we'll have hold training uh, and exercises about four times a year. We'll hold a national level exercise or a tier one exercise once a year, and we'll have a full activation with the, with the day and night shifts for a major incident. Uh, this year, it was the New Magic Seismic Zone earthquake. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year, it's going to be a cyber incident. The year before this was a hurricane incident. So we're always testing our skills and abilities, and we have new the technology is always changing. Our, our processes are always improving. Uh, what's available, the capabilities available to us are always increasing. You have to be on your toes understanding what those capabilities are, how to use them, how to apply them. And we have to be synced with the, with the regions too and in the field. So we'll hold as many exercises as possible with our regional counterparts so we all know who's doing what we understand there's, there's new process. So let's talk about why we're here today. So uh, today is August 27th and we've just activated the National Response Coordination Center. Tell me why we're activated. So Tropical Storm Dorian uh, is threatening Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Because of the distance of the storm and because of the distance of the islands, 
you need a lot of time to mobilize and deploy resources there. And so when we're five days out, even no matter how how risky the forecast is, how uncertain the forecast is, you have to turn on early. You have to start mobilizing early. Uh, So we started moving assets as early as the weekend. Uh, and now we need to be fully activated here to coordinate across the departments and agencies because we're sending medical teams, we're sending search and rescue teams, we're sending emergency communications teams and assets and vehicles. Uh, we are mobilizing force packages from the Department of Defense right now. And you need to coordinate not just their movement and where they're going, uh, but how are you going to lodge them and feed them and care for them? Where are they going to stay? Are they going to be protected? Uh, do they need security? Do they need fuel? Do they need housing? Uh, the entire suite of wraparound services needs to be cared for. And so you even, you, just sending them an op order to deploy is not enough. You need to coordinate the full scope and full spectrum of wraparound services. And you need to be synchronized uh, with their non-governmental partners and the other departments and agencies. Um, but the NRCC, the National Response Coordination Center, I'm going to say that a lot, so the NRCC, it activates at different levels. So what level are we at now versus what are some of the other levels um, that we would activate to? So right now we call it a response operations cell, which is just under a level three activation. Uh, tomorrow we'll be at a level two activation. We'll be 24-7 operations. Uh, what that response operations cell it's, uh, element does is we have a number of ESFs here, we have our logistics folks here, we have our movement coordination folks, we have the folks who execute the mission assignments, and the finance folks to execute the f- money to, to reimburse those mission assignments and direct those. We have situation awareness here doing reports and understanding. We have NOAA here doing our analysis of the weather and what those impacts may be, because we're not going to expect any impacts till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But all the necessary assets to move and, and position those teams for employment of those operations tomorrow is what we have here. We also have a crisis action planning cell looking beyond 72 hours. After the storm passes Puerto Rico, what is the threat to Florida? What is the threat to Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina? What do we need to mobilize on continent of the United States to be ready for those secondary impacts? and to coordinate those efforts as well. I mean, to call it a cell makes it sound like it's a small group of people, but there is a lot of people here in this room already working. Um, so what does the staffing level look like um, different? Uh, how does it look different between a cell versus uh, a level one activation when everybody is here? Yeah, it's not a small event. Uh, we have about 50 people here today. Uh, there's also people upstairs and other floors doing all the other support elements. We have a joint information s- center uh, which is external affairs on the eighth floor. We have, uh, in the sixth floor, we have back, reach back logistics support and movement coordination folks and contracting staff up there. We have a large contracting cell on the third floor. So the whole building is being operated, utilized. We might have 50 people here today. Tomorrow, you're gonna see 120 people in this room. And you're, the whole, every seat, almost every seat is gonna be filled. And it's gonna be buzzing. And we'll actually surge in more staff to, to fill uh, seats and office rooms upstairs. The whole building is going to be utilized. Mm-hmm. Um, so describe the room for me. So uh, what we're, we're standing on sort of the, the main floor, which kind of seems like the hub of activity, but there's other sort of levels. Can you describe the room a little bit? Yeah, up front you have the chief, and the chief is making sure that everyone's doing their job, and, the, and they're doing so in coordination with each other and in coordination with the field. Uh, we are here to support the field elements. Our field elements are here to support the state of the Commonwealth. Uh, that, that's a principle that needs to be uh, very rigorous uh, and, uh, and follow through very well. 
We have four and, and it's sections. elevated a little bit. Yeah, it's elevated a little bit. So they have full visibility of the whole room. Mm -hmm. We have uh, we have uh, TV screens all around. They're showing not just television, but they're showing our GIS systems and boards. We have seven critical lifelines, and we have a GIS board that displays the impacts of, on each lifeline, whether it be food, health, medical issues, search and rescue, uh, power, communications, transportation. We have GIS and analytics to show those on the boards, as well as our operations, our force laydown. Where are our assets? Where are our resources? Uh, what is the weather pattern? What is the storm surge? What are the hurricane tracks? We have these GIS boards all around. Uh, also on the elevated platform, you'll have the chiefs for situational awareness and the chiefs for resource support and the chiefs for our center support staff. What situational awareness is doing, which are, blue, are these blue desks you have in this room, they're, asked, they're, they're collecting data from all sources. All of our department agency partners, what the state is providing us, what the Commonwealth is providing us, what the, our non-government organizations are providing. We're also doing, uh, we're listening to what social media what's on social media, and to see what the trend is, what the impacts are, what are the pop, what's the population need, what are the thoughts and feelings on what is being provided, what's not being provided so we can accommodate and adjust these requirements. Let's go back to the blue desk where our situational awareness section is, and uh, specifically the crowdsourcing unit. With, this is a very unique new field for us, so we started it uh, a year ago, where we're establishing partnerships with non-government organizations who have data and to proactively reach out to communities to find out what their needs are, what their impacts are. And they'll connect those data feeds to us. So we can see specifically what is the trend in shelters, what is the trend in gas availability and, and fuel distribution. If we don't establish those partnerships with those organizations, sometimes private organizations, we won't have that automatic feed. So the crowdsourcing right now is establishing those partnerships right now and organizing where our priorities for information will be. And while the official reports are still being developed, we'll get immediate reporting from crowdsourcing and social media listening mm -hmm. to help drive our operations. If we see a shortfall in a capability, we want to pivot and adjust that capability as much as possible. So we're in the, the blue section, um, and I'm looking out, we're sort of in the center of the entire room, but as I look out across the, the rest of the staff here, uh, the thing that I'm struck by is all the colors. Right. So talk to me about the color coding um, throughout the room. So light blue is situation awareness. That's okay. where you're doing information collection. These are the major parts of the NRCC, the major yes. sections, right? Yes. So light blue is our situation awareness where we're doing data collection, we're doing data analysis. What is the trend? What does it mean? What is the context behind that data? And then we have to do the reporting. We have to report uh, to our bosses, we have to report to the White House, we have to report uh, to the field and what's going on and give them those trends and we have to establish those reports on an operationalist tempo. We have a geospatial information unit here, and they're building the maps and, and providing us with intelligence visually on what is the impact and what is the requirements. Dark blue is the uh, the chief staff, the staff report directly to the chief, and it includes the attorneys. It includes a lot of our liaisons, including uh, Department of Defense, uh, uh, Joint Staff, uh, NORTHCOM, uh, SOUTHCOM if needed, uh, Transportation Security Agency, Defense Logistics Agency, NOAA, uh, State Department. Um, we that, could bring that be in sort of like a command staff and command staff, yeah. right. and we will pivot and adjust who sits here and which liaisons we have based upon the type of incident it is. Obviously, if it's a public health incident, we'll have a heavy public health representation. If it were when it was uh, the Haiti earthquake, 
we had a lot of State Department folks here, and we even had uh, NATO folks uh, here and UN uh, staff here. So we could pivot based upon any incident and the unique requirements to inform the chief of what he or she needs to do to make the right decision. So in some of those exercises you mentioned earlier, the cyber, you would bring in other resources to specifically address that uh, threat. Absolutely. In fact, we've activated for a cyber incident in the past, and we've had a heavy information technology presence, cybersecurity information uh, infrastructure and security administration presence here, um, and FBI presence here. And we're coordinating that effort that we were tracking the, not only the impacts of the cyber attack, but are the success of our patch installations to, to close those gaps, to close those vulnerabilities. Uh, over so, here. So, okay. yeah, so we have a couple more sections over here. Yes, yeah, so let's walk over to the, uh, the red section. And this is our largest section. This is our resource support section, our operations section. Uh, in here in resource support is where we are getting all the requ requests for assistance. So if there's a request for medical assistance, it's gonna come up through our emergency support function eight desk, which is led by Department of Health and Human Services. If there's a need for communications assistance, it'll come up through our emergency support function two, which is disaster emergency communications. Uh, we have all the essential functions, 15 essential functions represented here by their respective departments and agencies and their supporting agencies. The requests will come in through the Commonwealth uh, and from our field elements uh, to these desks, and they're all gonna go into a resource uh, capability coordinator, branch coordinator, and they're gonna determine what is the priority for resourcing and how we're gonna source it. For example, there are many different ways you could provide a requirement. You could, if we own the capability to deliver, to deploy, we'll just issue an operations order for our own federal capability to deploy. That could be a FEMA capability, it could be an HHS capability, it could be a Department of Transportation capability, or a Department of Defense capability, whatever it is. Or we can contract for it. We can enter into a contract uh, with a private entity to provide that service. Uh, depending on which path you, you take, it'll go through a different section of this red, these red rows of seats. And our contractors, our acquisition folks, will issue a request for proposals on the street very quickly, very timely. Uh, faster than any, you've ever seen any contracting service done in the federal government uh, to, uh, to within hours provide that service. Uh, if it's another, if it's a federal capability we want to deploy, it'll go to our mission assignment desk and our mission assignment desk will task that department agency to deploy that asset. Those are sort of those op orders, right? Exactly. And that op order will tell them where to go, when to go, uh, the peer to performance, uh, the scope and scale of the capability, uh, and which of the primary agencies is going to perform that work. Uh, then it'll go back to the department agency, they'll prove it, and our finance folks will issue the, the funding necessary to execute uh, that order. Once you get the asset, once you get the capability, it goes to a room in the very back, and I'll show, let me show you this room in the very back, mm -hmm. called the Movement Control Center. The Movement Control Center has to figure out how it gets there. If it's a hurricane on the continental United States, it's easy you could drive there. Mm -hmm. In fact, most of our assets will drive. We might use rail, we might use some strategic air, uh, this way over here, um, but it's, it's generally an easy operation. If it's Puerto Rico or the Virgin Islands or Hawaii or the Pacific territories, the movement coordination center becomes more and more important. We have to figure out the mechanisms of which this asset is gonna, is gonna arrive. And we have a couple options we could execute a mission assignment to Department of Defense. 
through strategic airlift. There's big C5, C-130 airplanes. Uh, we'll be, we could task them to deploy. Uh, we could do our own contract air, and we have our own contract air services. But a lot of other departments and agencies also have air services. Uh, Customs Border Protection provides a lot of support. U.S. Coast Guard provides a lot of support. And we could even go to international firms uh, to, to, to provide services if we don't have enough airplanes. But you have to coordinate how it's going to get there. We'll also have to decide some assets, if not enough strategic airlift is available, we may barge a lot of capabilities. Now, it takes sl it's slower. It might take seven days to get there. But you can get a greater amount uh, there. And it's a higher likelihood of success because airframes break down, pilots time out. So you have to always balance the requirements on how you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. Also, you have to take into consideration the impacts to the ports, the airports and the seaports. During Hurricane Maria in 2017, uh, both were down. Uh, the airport was only able to receive one airplane at a time. Can you imagine that? Wow. And it had to off, load and offload the airplane on the tarmac because because the, the debris and the airport was completely destroyed. Uh, the, uh, the tower was down. The radar was down. So you were not able to get a lot of strategic airlift into the island. You had to barge a lot. And we had to construct a daisy chain of barges from Philadelphia, Jacksonville, Miami, and Houston. If you can imagine this across the ocean, a daisy chain of barges streaming across the Atlantic, coming to Puerto Rico. And we had to open up, take measures to open up the seaports and expand the number of seaport capabilities on the islands to receive these capabilities. Uh, then you had a task... Uh, Assets to uh, a contract for drivers and trucks and K-loaders and forklifts and forklift operators to manipulate, to move the assets once you've got them off the planes and off the barges. So it was a major, major... On top uh, of clearing the roadway. Then you have to clear the roadway. You, then you have to power it. Then you have to generate it. Then you have to operate it and install it. So if you can imagine every asset and every capability needed to move something, everything had to be provided. Everything had to be shipped. Everything had to be deployed. And that prioritization for what goes and how it goes and when it goes is made in this room. So one of the things that I'm struck by when we come back to the main room is that the National Response Coordination Center uh, is part of an interconnected web. And I know that well from having worked in the field and the regions. Can you talk about how those entities sort of cascade up and then cascade down in terms of our responding to an event? Oh, sure. So we're obviously in the National Response Coordination Center here. We support the field and we support the region. Uh, Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands is within the area of responsibility of our Region 2 office based in New York City. They have their own Regional Response Coordination Center just that looks like this but smaller. And they have representations from all the emergency support functions and they are activated to provide that support. And we have a regional administrator who's working with our field elements uh, who are directly engaged with the with the Commonwealth. Uh, let's talk about what's going on at the level at Puerto Rico and Virgin Islands. We have a pre-designated Federal Coordinating Officer, or FCO. That FCO is the coordinator for the federal government and has operational control of all federal assets. It's our FCO who is on point to coordinate with the Commonwealth, uh, with the governor, with the state coordinating officer to determine what do they need and how we support them most. It's the, it's the FCO who's directing this operation and driving this operation. If the FCO needs capabilities, that'll come up through the region and to us, and we'll support those capabilities. Uh, there are some assets that are uh, de deployed and chopped to the FCO that he or she has complete operation control over, and it can move them 
from division to division based upon the situation. And there's some assets like National Search and Rescue that are controlled and owned and operated at the national level and we'll, we'll adjust that as, as well. Uh, the FCO will have a number of branches and divisions across the islands in different jurisdictional areas, each with their own divisional supervisor who has point-to-point -point contact coordination with the municipalities, with the mayors themselves. And they will adjust, the FCO will adjust the resources across the divisions on island, depending on where the impacts are and the relative needs of those municipalities. Some municipalities have a lot of assets themselves and they need less. Some uh, will need a lot more support. Uh, they might need coordination support, they may need communication support, but it's a layered approach and we're supporting down the federal coordinating officer. And as departments and agencies deploy, they fall under the jurisdiction of that federal coordinating officer. Can we talk about um, horizontally from the National Response Coordination Center? I know other um, agencies around the D.C. area, maybe if they're headquartered here, have operation centers there. Does the NRCC work um, horizontally with them? and how do they connect? Yeah, so depending on the incident, other operation centers across the departments and agencies will be up and running. Department of Energy, good example. They have an operation center in the Department of Energy and they're coordinating across the sector and across the subsectors, from electricity to fuel to, to power to uh, uh, pipeline management. Uh, Department of Energy's operation centers provide all that backreach support to doing their own reporting on what's going on with the energy sector. Uh, they, meanwhile, have a seat here and have liaisons here. And our, and our reach back point of contact to all energy sector re requirements sits in this room. Uh, but we rely upon the entire Department of Energy to do what they do best uh, for the sector. Department of Transportation has their operations center up and running. It, Health and Human Services has their operations center running. Uh, in DOD, uh, the Northern Command is the com combatant command with operation responsibility. And in Colorado Springs, They'll have their operation center up and running uh, to deliver and support and to provide the care and feeding for the resources that we mission science to deploy. They're all operating at this moment. Um, I know that you have a very busy several days ahead of you as we um, are tracking Tropical Storm Dorian, which we expect to turn into a hurricane in the next uh, couple of days, hours, hours to days. Um, so thank you for your time uh, working with us. And you, th this operation center is up 24-7. Right. Yeah, we'll be up 24-7. And we have multiple teams. We'll rotate the teams. Uh, in 2017, we were activated 24-7 for three months. And uh, it was a major effort. And what's unique here is we had to pivot from disaster to disaster. If you remember 2017, we were up 24-7 for Hurricane Harvey. Mm -hmm. And that was a big incident. That was a major, major incident. And then we had to pivot our, our focus from Harvey to Irma, while still supporting the recovery efforts in Harvey, we had to engage and deploy the response efforts for Irma. Not in the Virgin Islands, and then again in, in Florida. Landfall in Florida. Yep. Uh, and then we had to pivot again for Hurricane Maria. And people forget that even though the, those are the three major hurricanes during the same time, we had a space weather incident. There were other hurricanes that came through that, that skimmed across the, the Atlantic coast, and we had to manage those impacts. And then we had the California wildfires right after that. Uh, an earthquake could happen at any moment. And this operation center is poised to activate within two hours of time. Uh, so we're ready to go. Uh, people here love it uh, because during this incident, you have complete unity of effort across the federal government, working in an effective and efficient manner 
Uh, all of our purposes, all of our missions are streamlined and focused on the same thing, which is what is the best thing for the survivor of that state who we're supporting. And the unity of effort, the coordination you see across the federal government, here is a model, uh, is a model example that you should be proud of. We welcome your comments and suggestions on this and future episodes. Help us to improve the podcast by rating us and leaving a comment. If you have ideas for future topics, send us an email at fema-podcast at fema.dhs.gov. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov slash podcast. Podcast.